if you're at John chapter 6, say I'm there. All right. John chapter 6, and we're just going to read uh, verses 1 through 9. It says, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea, uh, which is the sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And I challenge you out of this question last week that Jesus could have asked something spiritual. He could have said, uh, you know, talked about their salvation. He could have talked about something related to their spiritual life or their spiritual destiny. But instead, Jesus asked, where are we going to get something for these people to eat? And I challenge you around the message called It's Natural. Realizing that Jesus is just as interested in my natural life. Come on, church. As he is my spiritual life. And so this is the challenge that we went to uh, last week and we started there. But I want to go on and kind of dig further into the story. So verse 6 says, he said this to test him. Somebody say test him. For he himself knew what he would do. My God. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And then Jesus goes on, and I'm not going to read too far because I want to leave some to finish next Sunday. But Jesus goes on and does a miracle through which he feeds 5,000. He takes a little boy's lunch, which we're going to explore next Sunday. And he feeds 5,000 people, blesses it, and feeds 5,000. Isn't that nuts, man? How Jesus can just, he's, he's a miraculous God. I remember we used to sing, he's a king God. Come on and say, he's a miracle. My God is a, my God is a wonder. Come on. My God is a miracle. He is, he's a I just feel it, man. And he's above, below, before, behind, and around me. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Somebody make some noise for our miracle working God. But I want to go today and look at this, this fact that it says, after he asks Philip, where are we to buy bread so these people will eat? It says, he said this to test him. My God. Now, I remember, man, one of the... Greatest experiences, uh, but also most challenging experiences that I had was when my family and I moved to California. And, you know, I went to California and, you know, we we picked up uh, from the church that we had planted and pastored for almost seven years. uh, And it was an amazing experience. The transition was done in order. The church is still going and growing today by God's grace. However, you know, I thought that God was taking me to California with the purpose of just going out there to just sit under palm trees and just enjoy myself. You know, I used to post and make all these posts that would make people so annoyed. I'd be like, December, selfie by the pool, you know, just, just sipping on stuff and having a blast, you know. But the thing is that what I didn't note is uh, that California for me 
although on one side it was one of the most amazing places that I've ever been able to go and live and do ministry, that it was also one of the most challenging times for me that I ever had experienced. Have you ever been in a place where you're in some place that's so beautiful? Come on, somebody. Either literally or figuratively. It might be a relationship. It might be a friendship. It might be an endeavor that God has sent you in. And it's just crazy how it can be a paradox where on one side you can be in the most beautiful place, but simultaneously it's the most challenging thing for you. Is somebody going to stay with me on this morning? Just want to set this up for you. And so I went to California and I was in this place and it was so amazing and all of this. But it was also one of the most testing places for me. In the midst of God doing some of the most miraculous things that I had ever seen. Giving me some of the greatest opportunities that I had ever had in my life. He was also working some things out of me. And as a result, he was testing me in many regards. Can I just, is it okay for pastors to be honest? Because see, y'all like to be in, you know, some of us like to go to churches where we think that the pastor's boo-boo smells like roses. Come on, somebody. And where they don't mess up and we just put them on pedestal. But I'm the first to say that if it was not for the grace and mercy of God, that I would be out of here just like y'all. Come on, somebody. And so I remember, man, I got to the place where it was so crazy that I, that I literally had a nervous breakdown. One time I had a nervous breakdown, absolutely lost it, eyes rolling back. My wife is standing there with the phone like ready to call the ambulance because of how crazy my situation was at that time. Is it okay to be honest? And I didn't know how I was going to make it out of that situation. I didn't know how the, what was going to take place thereafter. I was really concerned because I'm like, man, what, why, why is this happening in, such of the, in the midst of a beautiful place? But I love the fact that let me tell you that out of that experience came some of the greatest life lessons. I'm the better because of the testing. Come on, somebody. I'm the better. Somebody sees where I'm going this morning. I'm the better because of that which I went through. Even though when I was in the middle of it, I was unable to see it. God had a plan beyond it. In fact, over 60 people have been saved at Surf City Church in just eight months. And that all happened after I came from California. And this ministry through which God is life, lives are being changed by the power of the gospel is all happening out of that experience when I thought when my back was against the wall and I felt like it was over. Come on, you heard the song. That's real life for somebody in here today. But I came with a message of hope to encourage you to understand before we get ready to go out of here and eat some chicken and, and, and some curry goat and take your Sunday afternoon nap that what you're going through, that God has a purpose for it. In fact, look at somebody, give them a high five. Tell them, neighbor, there's a purpose for my testing. And so realize and understand as we're in the text, look, uh, so, so the fact of the matter is I want to talk about God's testing on today. And note this, note this, that when, when God asks Philip the question, I want you to see this. Uh, look here, in, in John chapter 6, it says, it says uh, lifting his eyes up, then seeing the large crowd was coming, Jesus said to Philip, and, uh, where are we to buy this bread so that the people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. God 
asked him this question and he didn't ask him this question for the sake of him knowing or expecting that he would know the answer come on the text says that God already knew what God was going to do ah my God how many of you have been in school and you've had tests right I remember my son Gabe in fact he came home one day and he said dad I had this test and this test that I took dad uh you know I said son what was the grade he's like it wasn't about the grade it wasn't they weren't expecting me to know anything but the test was simply to reveal where I was Come on, somebody. Oh, my God, my God. So they weren't expecting him necessarily to know all of the answers from the test, but they wanted to do this evaluation to reveal where he was, his skill level, to reveal his ability to show where it was that he was at the time. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Trust me, I'm going somewhere. God doesn't always test us with the expectation that we know the answer. Man, some of us, we're in the things that we're in right now and you're saying man you know what I'm in a position now where God you know God must think that I know everything God must think that I know how to deal with hard stuff God must think you know and I just need to let you know that sometimes it's not about you knowing the answer sometimes God is testing you simply to reveal the level of your faith Because there are many of us who say that we have faith. Can I just talk to a real church? We say that we have faith and we say, oh, Jesus, you know, we sing, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. We sing it off key. We boo-hooing. We snotting at the nose. Come on, somebody. This love song to Jesus. And then let somebody, let something happen. Let the devil start messing with your money. I want to, I want to just keep it real today. Let, let stuff start happening in your life that start jacking you up. So let something happen to your family. Then the same people that talking about, I love you, Jesus. You don't see them no more. They start going ghosts. Come on, somebody. The money that they were given to the Lord they decide they ain't giving it no more because you know what I gotta pay my bills like the Lord who was giving you the money to pay your bills in the first place change can I let you know that even if the source of your provision changes in terms of your job that that's not your source in the first place even if your job might change the God that you serve has not man I'm not just Ah, I feel this I feel it Uh, so I might as well go here I feel my ride taking me here Uh, because the fact of the matter is that sometimes God is testing you just to reveal the 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 level of your faith I don't need that no way not only this but sometimes it's about God revealing our perspective because sometimes we think of something about ourselves but it's actually not the case and so God is asking Philip this question and it's revealing to him he's saying hey man you know well uh, not even X amount of dollars is going to be able to pay for these people to even get a little bit of crumbs and so sometimes it's not that God is trying to make you look like a fool but it's oftentimes that he's just trying to reveal more of your need for him Come on, church. The revelation of your perspective comes out, especially in times of testing. Man, recently, uh, I have a car. Um, we have two vehicles. Uh, they're both Hondas. The Honda Accord is a car that lasted. Uh, it's lasted for many years. It's actually 2000, uh, year 2000, and it's just lasted. It has, in the equivalent of Canadian kilometers, like 500,000 kilometers, something crazy like that. And the car, we drove it from California. You know, it did. Uh, it was just been, it's been amazing. And, you know, 
know, there was a season where we were really in a season of sacrifice and, you know, in planting this church and we didn't get any financial remuneration, especially in the time of planting and in the time of preparing to launch the church. And we were like, God, we're just here. We're going to do this thing. It don't have to do with money. And we believe that you're going to provide and take care of the stuff that we had. And it was one of those moments just talking about perspective. Somebody say perspective. It was one of those times where over for like a year and a half that we had the car, absolutely nothing went wrong with the vehicle. It was one of those things where the car was absolutely perfect. People are looking at the car like, are you sure? When was this made? Are you serious? It's in this condition? I mean, and we're like, yeah, look at what the Lord has done. And we're just celebrating. We're so excited. And it wasn't until, watch this, until we started getting paid, until we actually started getting a paycheck, that periodically stuff would start happening for us to have to go and fix the car. Now, the person, as far as having the, the, the way that the world would think, the perspective is, oh man, I can't believe this car is jacking up. Why, Lord? Why me, Jesus? And nobody knows the trouble I see. And we're just freaking out and we're getting stuff. What is happening? What is going on with the stuff that we're facing? But you know what? In that moment, I heard the Lord speak to me and tell me, and said, you know what? In terms of my perspective, instead of doing I say, you know what? I'm just so glad that God kept my car for the past year and a half when I didn't have no money. Come on, somebody. And I'm thankful that even though the money is leaving my account to fix the car, that God provided the money for me to be able to fix the car and still have food on my table, still be able to pay my bills. Still, Come on, somebody. Some of y'all getting mad saying, oh my gosh, my bank account is empty because I had to pay all these bills. You should be thankful about the fact that you don't live outside on the street. Come on, church. With the proper perspective is, thank God that he provided the money for me to be able to pay for my bills. It's not, oh my gosh, the money is leaving. It's some folks that wish they had a rent to pay. It's some folks that wish they had a car note to pay. But they walk in, come on somebody, or sleeping in a cardboard box. And oftentimes we have this ungodly perspective and God tests us to reveal our perspective. How do you see your situation? You, you paid, every time you pay a bill, you ought to shout. Every time you put gas in your car and it didn't overdraw your account, you ought to give God a praise. Ah, my Lord. Every time you drive through the drive-thru and buy you that 99 cent burger, you ought to give, put those hands together and clap and give God thank you. Because it's somebody, it could have been me outdoor with no food or no, I came to talk to a church this morning that you don't, you need to understand really and truly the goodness of God. So God will often put us in this position and it's not like we're trying to teach God something because God knows everything. So it has to be about self-discovery because sometimes self-discovery is the best type of learning. You know, people that uh, have a perspective about themselves, a lot of them come, you know where they show up? Can I tell you where they show up the most? On American Idol. Oh, I can sing, boo-boo. I'm the best singer ever in my, oh my gosh, in my life. There's nobody that can sing better than me. They'd be like, sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. They'd be like, they sound like the Loch Ness Monster talking about they can sing. Come on, somebody. 
Because just because you feel something about yourself, oh, I'm super Christian. Ah, uh, you know, I'm just the, been the best player. And you know, you need to understand because this is the reason I'm talking about this, talking about fed up. Some of us, we are in a position where we are fed up with life because of the tests that we're facing. But I'm here to tell you that when you get the proper perspective, that will place you in the position where you can get the most out of what you're facing. Instead of trying to always look for a get out of jail free card, you say, God, if you brought it to me, it must be for my benefit. Man, I feel a preacher. If you brought it to my life and allowed it to hit my life, there must be a plan beyond this thing. So that's number one. God doesn't always test us with the expectation that we know the answer. Sometimes he's testing us to reveal our faith. Sometimes he's testing us to reveal our perspective. Can I go further? So note this, note this, note this. Number two, uh, God, God's testing of us doesn't determine or change his plan. <laughs> How can I talk about it? Look what the text says. It's in the text. I didn't make it up. Look, look, the text says it. Uh, verse 5, he says, uh, where are we going to buy this bread so people may eat? Verse 6 says, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Oh, my God. So, so God already knew. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Jesus already knew what his plan was. He already knew. Before the little boy showed up with his happy meal and his two-piece and said, Hey, uh, you know what? You can use this and go on and, uh, and, and do a miracle with it and feed the people. Jesus, before any of that happened, already knew what he was going to do. Somebody say, God knows in advance. So God already had a plan. So when he asked and tested Philip, he was not, Tori, you know what? He was not asking him with the purpose because whether he was going to get it right or get it wrong was going to change God's plan. Man, this is so deep. I need you to just grab this thing really quickly. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Whether he got it right or got it wrong, it was not going to change God's plan. God was simply asking him he was asking him this to take his per to get his perspective he tested philip but his situational failure or success did not modify the miracle even though philip answered uh, what we would consider in a way like like a knucklehead don't you understand who you're with you rolling with jesus and you talking about oh not a lot of money this money is not going to be able to we would look at him from where we are uh, and we would say man you answered that question really dumb you know uh, god, jesus tested you and you should have said god you know i don't know i think that you know you can do miracles and you can do wonders and so i believe you're going to feed these people but no philip starts talking about the fact that oh this money is not enough and blah 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 and so we look at his situational response we look at the thing the way that he responds in the test and we say man this must have miss this would may have been in a position where it would have stopped the miracle from happening and that's the way that many of us act in our lives we think that the way that we handle tests so oftentimes the way that we handle tests in our lives god it does not hinder or stop the plan of god for our lives Romans, Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says that the gifts and calls of God are without repentance. In other words, when God calls you, there are many of you who are called in this place to do something. When God chooses and calls you like he did Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, he tells him that you before you were formed in the belly, I knew you and I ordained you as a prophet. Come on church. The fact is that, that the plan that he put on Jeremiah, the call that he had on his life, whether Jeremiah was in 
in a position where he passed the test right or wrong in his life. It still did not change the call of God on his life. And many of us, you may, I just want to, can I just talk to you for a second? I want to talk to somebody in this position because I want you to understand uh, that God is going to bring his will and his plan in a general sense uh, to pass whether or not we fail or succeed in our test. Because some of us, we feel like we the blessed thing since sliced bread and that God needs us to do stuff. And that you trust and believe if some, if I decided to be a knucklehead and do something stupid and I decided to, to, to go out and, 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 uh, and fail in terms of something morally or what or otherwise god forbid trust and believe that god is going to raise somebody up to get serve city church to continue going because his plan he loves scarborough and too much he loves the community of malvern too much he loves the city of toronto too much to allow one person or a few people or one church to stop his plan from coming to pass and some of us think we're too indispensable and we don't realize that God's plan. He went, see, what, despite how Philip answered, despite how Andrew went on and answered in there, it ended up that the miracle still happened and the 5,000 still were fed. So you need to get that in your head because many of us, we try to be manipulative with our gift. And we try to think like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to withhold my giving because somebody said something that I don't like. Or I'm just going to not show up to church and, oh, they're going to feel it. And they're just going to, you know, I'm going to leave church and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but this is the attitude that many of us have. And we think, oh, I'm just going to step away or I'm going to stop and they're going to be punished. Because at the end of the day, you realize, child, can I tell you something, baby? The ministry and the call and the vision and the plan does not determined by one person and if god has a plan to impact this city he's going to do it with or without you or me and so we have the opportunity to even when we fail stuff or even when we mess up we can say you know what i messed up but jesus i'm still going to be in partnership with your plan we get to partner with Jesus. That's what happens. He gives us the opportunity to partner with him. And when we go against his will and his plan, we are partnering, partnering with the gates of hell. But you know what Matthew 16, 18 said about the gates of hell? That Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So God's plan is going to go forward whether or not we answer right or we deal with tests right or we deal with tests wrong. But just in personal application, I want to talk to somebody who was fed up and you quit because of the fact that you failed a test. You're saying to yourself, can I just be real with someone? You're saying to yourself, you know what? I'm just in a position now where I, because of what I did, because of how I messed up, because of the mistake I made, that God must not want me anymore because of the challenge that I went through and I didn't deal with it the way that I should have dealt with it in my marriage or dealt with it in my, in my relationship or friendship or on my job or in my church. That God may have me in a position where he has cast me away. But I just want to tell you the gifts and calls of God are without repentance. And as long as there is life, there is hope. Come on somebody. And so you, I'm calling you, whoever you are, whether you're here or listening by podcast, to come home and get back where you need to be. You need to understand that oftentimes the tests that God sends our way are his mercy revealed in our life. 
If you are alive, you ought to get up and return. When God sent the fish to Jonah in the book of Jonah, come on somebody, Jonah was called to be a prophet and Jonah did not want to go and share the mercy of God with the people of Nineveh because he thought that they were not worthy to receive the mercy of God. That's a whole nother sermon, but I'm not going to go there now. But the fact of the matter is that he fled to Tarshish and went in the opposite direction. And many of us see the fish that God sent to Jonah's life as punishment. But actually, it was God's mercy revealed in his life. That fish God sent showed us that God had not given up on Jonah. That even though Jonah was going in the opposite direction, that God still had the plan to save Nineveh and he was going to do everything he could to get Jonah back where he needed to be. I showed up to preach about five folk in here today who threw in the towel instead of using it to wipe off the sweat because of the stuff, the mistake that you made. Who can I talk to this morning? The call of God is still on your life. God has still called you to build that business. God has still called you to be the individual that's a leader. God has has still called you to preach that didn't change God still called you to write that song can I prophesy to about five people in here today God says still has a plan for your life even if you made that mistake and some of the stuff that's been coming in your life that sickness that you've been facing that challenge that you've been up against and you've been saying to yourself man see this is just confirmation this fish that God sent my way this is just confirmation that God don't like me no more this is just confirmation that I don't need to just get up and, and I, I I'm going in the right direction now because God don't like me anymore. You didn't realize that that fish is God still saying I love you enough that even though you're in the mess and even though you're going in the wrong direction I'm willing to send stuff your way to stop you and cause you to bring you to a place of, of, of reconciliation. Who am I talking to on this morning? Whatever you're facing, some of those things, that sickness, that's just God just trying to get your attention. It's not confirmation that you're just a bad person and he don't like you. He's trying to say, turn around and come back. Come on. You've been fed up because of the, the, the mess up. You've been fed up because of the mess up. But God's trying to get you up and turn you around and get you back where you need to be. Somebody ought to give God praise for that right there. That was... I, I'm so thankful. You know, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible, Cindy, because uh, the Bible is full of people who were imperfect, but God still did stuff through them. And you know why? That, that's what that's why I have hope today. Come on, church. That's why I have hope that God can still use me uh, because I mess up and we have mistakes and all this stuff. And sometimes you just feel is there anybody that will witness with me. You feel like because of what you've done or because of the mistakes you made that you've been disqualified. But I wonder if there's anybody that here today that's thankful that the call that God placed on your life that he put it on you before you could come into the earth and before you could disobey your parents and before you could make any mistakes man I'm going for blood this morning because it's a church in here there's somebody in here that's on the brink of saying God's never going to use me again but I came to wake you up and to let you know it's not over if you would just get up if you said yes once you can say it again Man, that just preached. In fact, just look at your neighbor. That was good enough to preach to your neighbor. In fact, I'm going to give you a high five. Come on. You need to look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, if you said yes once, you can say it again. <laughs> Ooh, that was a word. Somebody ought to just give God praise right there for that. That's a, that. 
Oh man, in fact, I'm so thankful. Uh, I'm so thankful because you know what the struggle tells me? The struggle. See, some of us is mad because of the things that we're facing, the struggles we're going through, the struggle. Somebody say struggles. But the struggle just means that I'm not dead yet. The struggle means that there's still some fight left in me. Oh man, I'm going to shout all to myself up here. The struggle means that I'm not having given up yet. The struggle means that there's still some power that God has given me in my bones that's given me the ability to keep on going when I feel like it should be over. Who did I come to preach to on this morning? The fact that you're not dead and they ain't saying rest in peace on Facebook is the end is telling you that God is still with you. And if God be for me and who can be against me, I'm so glad that my Bible doesn't just say that when God is with me. Uh, he's with me and he makes me to lie down in green pastures. My same Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil even if I got there through a mess up. For thou are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, though I make my bed in hell, behold, he is Maybe this is so good to me because it's my testimony. When you mess up every now and again, come on somebody, and you think it's over for you, you just get, that, that man, the grace and mercy of God just gets real good to you. I'm moving. I'm so glad that Abraham failed when he told a half-truth about his sister, about his wife being his, his half-sister, but God still ended up calling him the father of the faith. I'm so glad that even though Moses failed and Moses killed the Egyptian that was going to kill one of his own, that God still ended up using him as the deliverer to deliver the people of Israel from the people of Egypt. Come on, somebody. I'm so glad that even though David decided to go Jerry Springer on him, king style, and he decided that he was going to look out the, come on, look off the balcony and get somebody who is not his wife and bring her to his quarters and put her in a position where he, her husband ended up being killed. Who am I talking to this morning? That he still was a king, even though he suffered some consequences. I'm not out here telling you to go and mess up on purpose, but I'm so glad that when you fall and when you mess up, that this same David, that Jesus is coming back to reign on his throne. Come on, somebody. And he still was a king. Who am I talking to this morning that's felt like a failure and you're fed up because of your mess up but I'm here to tell you that God's grace is sufficient my God and there's somebody that's fed up because you passed and you because you passed and then you face something right after it and you said man what in the world I must not God must not love me because I went through one test and I passed that test but then something crazy happened right after it and you're saying, God, can, man, can I tell you about Joseph? Can I tell you that Joseph said no? Come on, somebody. Uh, he said no to the booty. Uh, can I just keep it 100%? He said no to it. That girl, she was trying so hard to lure him in. She was trying so hard to get him to come in those drawers. And he's like, listen, man. He's like, no, I'm serving a God. Come on. Who is greater than all of these things. And I'm serving someone. He was, he was also not only respectful and worshipful of God, but he also honored the man who gave him that position in the house. Who am I talking to? And so he says, you know what? I'm going to say no to this. And look at the result of Joseph saying no to the drawers. He ends up in a prison 
But how many of you know, I just want to tell someone who's fed up because you passed the test, but then you ended up in a mess right after the test, that this don't mean that God is not with you because the test that you face for righteousness sake, come on, if even if you're in the jail and you might have had, I said this before, you might have had to run out naked, you might have ran out naked, but still clothed in your integrity. <laughs> it's okay if they see me in this way as long as I'm still dressed with my character as long as I still know that God is good I'm still going to praise him right in the middle of the prison as long as I know that God is good it don't matter how I look to man as long as he knows that I, that he, that I am his and he's mine can I tell you about Jesus as I hurry to my last point because even Jesus, Jesus was tempted. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Also in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was tempted and he was tested on the mountain. And he was in that position where the, and it just proved, it proved who he was. It proved that he was God because he fell not for any of the, he did not fall for any of the temptations that Satan sent his way. And so he went through this. But look at Jesus. After Jesus gets past those tests and he rebukes the devil and the devil goes away, Jesus still Still makes it to a cross come on somebody he ends up going to a cross and he has nails nailed in his hands and he has a crown of 72 thorns perion pressed in into his head and he's pierced in his side and, and blood and water come gushing out of his heart sack all of this happened after he said no to the test who am i talking to on this morning but i'm so glad that the good news about joseph and the good news about jesus joseph became the visor which was the second in command in egypt and he was placed in a position where the people that threw him in the pit and caused him to have issues in the first place that he ended up becoming in a position of ascendancy over them come on somebody jesus although he went to the cross and although he was whipped and lashed in his back and although he was in a position where he was rested in a borrowed tomb i'm so glad yeah yeah that bright and early on a sunday morning he did not stay dead he got up with all power somebody just shout he got up and that cross and that grave that came after the test even though it seemed like God was no longer with him I'm so glad that it could not hold him captive because God had a plan beyond the grave come on somebody you got to get to the place where you say God I'm still gonna walk with you even if after the test I still end up in some mess because as long as I'm walking with you I know that you're with me and that you have a plan that's beyond what I'm facing right now I'm done. So point number one, God doesn't always test us with the expectation that we know the answer. Point number two, God's testing of us doesn't determine or change his plan. He still had a plan and the people still got fed despite how Philip answered the question. Are you still with me? And the last question, the last point I have for you here uh, with just a few seconds left on the clock is that every test is a testimony of God's faithfulness in seed form. You need to write that down. Somebody else needs to tweet it. Every test is a testimony of God's faithfulness in seed form. The good news about what I mean, the good news about the story, about this story here in the passage, watch this, is that, look, 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 look. Philip may have answered the question incorrectly. Andrew may have answered the question incorrectly. But the fact of the matter is, the hero of the story is not Philip or Andrew. 
the hero of the story was never going to be Philip or Andrew. The hero of the story was Jesus. That even though Philip or Andrew didn't answer the question correctly or Philip might have failed, but Jesus never fails. And the good thing about the test that we face and the reason why you don't have to be fed up based upon what's going on in your life is because at the end of the day, no matter what you go through, and I'm telling you to hang in there because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's no temptation that has taken us that is not common to man, but God is faithful. Somebody say faithful. Who will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we are able. But with the temptation will make a way of escape for us to be able to bear it. So hang in there. But I'm here to tell you that even when we hang in there. The testimony that we have. You know how we do man. I was broke and I was down. And then one day I just looked in the mirror. And I just got myself together. And I said to myself. Self you are just a great person. And you can do it. And you can make it. And then I just got me together. And I went out and I just started taking better care of my finances. You know how we do. Come on somebody. We just talk about the testimonies as if it's something that we did. But is there a church that would be real with me this morning. That knows that the star of every testimony is Jesus. Come on somebody. Even if I got the answer right. It's still Jesus. Even if I get the answer wrong. It's still Jesus. Because it's his grace. And his mercy. It's either one or the other. Or both. That is present in my life. At the time. And so every test. Every test. Is a testimony. Of God's faithfulness. In seed form. And when we. When it is. That we get through it. We have the opportunity. To determine. Whether or not. We are going to allow to be a glory to God or a glory to ourselves. Your grace and mercy brought me through I'm living this moment because of you and I want to thank you and praise you too. Why? Because he's the star. Hallelujah. Because your grace and mercy. Yeah. Bruh. Can we sing that again? I just feel it.
somebody ought to put your hands together for his grace come on somebody ought to put your hands together and open your mouth because he's been good and if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side <laughs> where would I be bow your heads and close your eyes we're getting ready to pray hallelujah God we're just so thankful for what you've done today thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy thank you God that when we were headed for hell that you decided that you were going to come and that you were going to die in our place because you knew that we wouldn't be perfect and we just thank you for the test that we face thank you that your testing is not a sign of your disapproval of us or your hatred for us for you love us Lord and you loved us before we could do anything and you so much so that you gave your son for us so help us to lean into the test and learn from the test and even when we fail or mess up God may we lean into your mercy and your grace and know that that's the only way that we're going to make it through that's why I thank you and I give you praise for that which you've done and will do in Jesus mighty name let everybody say